part of the goal has been that as we head into a new year, <coughs> we can um, rejuvenate our personal spiritual lives. Oh, we've got a, the yellow tinge on things. So, uh, I think that's a bit of an error. That's all right. Oh, there it is. It's come good. Oh, hey, hey. Um, sorry, now let me just keep going and th- these guys are good at sorting out problems. Um, but, so as we head into a new year, it's an opportunity to look back over the last year and think, uh, as I go into this new year, what do I want uh, my relationship with God to look like on a day-by-day basis? Right? And prayer is a key part of that and reading God's word is a key part to that. Um, now, you heard earlier, Ian Mears and John Haxton, they're going to be out the back, just out the back doors there at 10 o'clock and they are quite happy to pull alongside you and to try to help you work out what would be a good plan for you to set for yourself in the year ahead. Now, just to give you a couple of examples, Darren, Darren was, I was talking to Darren the other day and he set a goal at one end of the spectrum. Right? He and Jane are going to try to read through the whole Bible in two, in two years, um, but over that two years they'll read through the New Testament twice. So each, uh, each year in the next couple of years they'll read the New Testament right, each year and then they'll read the whole of the Old Testament over the two years. Now that's a fantastic goal to set, but that's a really, I think that's one of the out there hard to achieve sort of goals. And most people I know who've, who've tried to take on that goal, right, there's probably about a 90% failure rate of setting out to do that. And, but don't let me put you off for that. I'm just saying it's not an easy one to keep at. What, is, what does it mean, Darren, in practical terms? Two chapters a day. Okay. So, two chapters a day, it's, it's actually quite doable. The problem is if you have a bad week and you forget for a week, then you've got 16 chapters to read on one morning. And that's when it starts to feel like it builds up uh, quite quickly. Now, so that's, that's at that end of the spectrum. At the other end of the spectrum, you might say, no, I'm just going to set myself the goal to make a start and I'll start with reading the passages that we're going to be studying uh, the coming week in church. Um, or you might say, oh, my, my starting goal will actually be to join a Bible study group and actually at least have that sort of connection. So, you've got to work out where are you at and don't feel like you need to, you know, it's not about the, um, you know how you go on a diet and you just go all out and then you, you know, you go well for a week and then you're sort of bar- going to bust. It's a matter of setting some small goals that are achievable and sustainable and then maybe building from there in a few months' time or in a year's time. So try to work out where am I at and what, what, it, what will be a step in the right direction in continuing to grow and foster my personal relationship with God. And Ian and John are happy to meet with you this morning and to sort of um, uh, give you some guidance along that sort of way. And I'm, I'm sure that they'd be happy to keep in touch with you throughout the year or give you a, a mentor to help you throughout the year just to stick at it. Now, that's a great offer, isn't it? Uh, so, I hope some of you take that offer up. Um, so, where are you meeting with these guys, Ian? Straight out, right out near the fence. Okay, okay. Terrific, at 10 o'clock. How about I let us in prayer? Let's pray. God, our Father, uh, thanks so much that you are our Father.
What a privilege to call on the powerful God of the universe as our dad. Thank you that you love us, that you delight in us calling on your name and we pray that uh, today and in the year ahead uh, that we will do that more and more, uh, that we will do that individually but also that that will shape the character of our life as a church that uh, above all we will be a people dependent on our Heavenly Father and we pray that this morning you will teach us what it is we ought to pray, what things you want us to bring before you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now there was a guy who sort of in, fell a bit delirious. He sort of, um, sort of opening his eyes and he heard this voice and the voice said, and what will your third wish be? And uh, he sort of is trying to work out what's going on, and he looks, and there in front of him is a genie. Um, I don't. Th- I read this on the internet. I'm not sure whether it's a true story, but um, anyway, he sees this genie in front of him, and he sort of he went, huh? And and the, and the genie said, you know, what will be your third wish? And uh, he said, well, I didn't even have a first or a second wish, so you know, how can I be on to my third wish already? And the genie said, oh, you have had two wishes already. Um, But your second wish was for everything to go back the way it was before. And so now I've erased your memory and you have a third wish. What will be your third wish? And the guy goes, oh man, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe I've I've lost two already. But he says, right on. He said, I've always wanted to understand women. Uh, I've always sort of wanted to understand what, what is going inside, you know, on inside a woman's mind. I've just never understood that. Can you, can you help me understand the way women think? And the genie said, oh, that is very funny because that was your first wish as well. <laughs> Only half of you laughed and not all that funny. <clears throat> um, now, <laughs> if it... <laughs> If you met a genie and if you met a genie and he gave you three wishes, what would they be? Right? What would you, if you had to, uh, the opportunity to ask whatever your heart desired, what would you ask? See, this morning we come to this question, what should we pray for? What should we ask for from God? And God's not a genie in a bottle. Right? He is our Father in heaven. He loves us. He delights in us calling on his name. What should we pray for from him? Now, sometimes you can, you can generalise prayer so that it's so vague, you're almost saying nothing specific. I don't know if you've ever seen this at a wedding. You go to a wedding and you know, the best man might say, we wish for the couple everything that they would wish for themselves. And you think, oh, that's, that's not very thoughtful, is it? He hasn't put a lot of thought into that. Doesn't he know what they do wish for themselves? He could have said some of those things. Or doesn't he even know what's going to be good for them? At least he could have you know, had a bit of a crack at it. But, you know, it's sort of a bit of a cop-out, isn't it? And sometimes our prayers can be a little like that. And that is, you, you might, your prayer sometimes can be just reduced to, oh, God, your will be done. Now, that's not a bad prayer to pray, is it? Um, but the problem is, I think we can, we can go a bit further than that, and I think we ought to. And that's part of what we'll be wrestling with this morning, when I was um, in my previous church at Gladesville, 
Um, we had this um, group of people from a, a Christian sect where uh, it was very legalistic and over, over a number of years many of these people became Christians. We saw dozens of people coming out of this uh, very legalistic sect coming to understand grace. It was a great joy seeing them just grasp hold of the freedom that was theirs in Christ, the confidence that they could have about their salvation, uh, being able to call on God their, as their father. But their, their prayer life was one of the, uh, I suppose, the slowest thing for them to change. Um, and that was when they heard people, you know, when they heard other Christians in church pray, they just found those prayers so strange that they were so specific. Like someone might say, you know, dear God, please help my neighbour to, uh, to be receptive to the message of Jesus. And they'd think that was presumptuous to sort of be so specific in what you're asking God. They were much more vague and general because they didn't really want to pin anything down. And it was all part of them moving from in the, adjusting their relationship with God and calling on God as their father who was concerned for them personally, um, not just in generalities but in detail. So, what should we pray for? Well, firstly, we need to pray for our anxieties, that is, whatever worries us, whatever concerns us. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it's there on your outline. Have a look there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Or 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your anxiety or cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. See, God gives us an alternative to worry and anxiety and stress and all that sort of stuff. God wants us to cast all those things on him and ask him about them rather than get working, work, getting worked up about them ourselves. Now, people deal with anxiety and worry in all sorts of ways, don't they? So some people become paralysed and, and the world sort of closes in and it's very difficult to see beyond the problem at hand. Um, some of us dither around and just sort of panic uh, like a headless chook, uh, unable to do anything constructive. It just sort of sends us into a spin. Some of us turn to the fridge you know, or some other means of escape of just avoiding dealing with the issue and trying to sort of you know, not have to deal with it. Um, some, I reckon blokes especially get angry. And I think we get angry because we feel like we're out of control, there's nothing we can do about it and we hate being in that situation where, where something is out of our control and so sometimes we hit out and we get angry. And when we feel like that, when we feel things are going particularly bad, sometimes we act as if that's our right to be worried. Um, we get grumpy at other people. We neglect all our other responsibilities because I'm worried about this thing and the, it's almost like the whole world needs to be sympathetic of me being worried and we expect everyone around us to sort of, you know, pander to us. That's when we're at our extreme worst. Now, God wants us to be different. He wants us to bring it all to him in prayer. 
If, it, if it's something that you're worried about, then it's something that God wants to hear you call on him and ask him about. Now, I reckon a lot of men in particular have the attitude, well, God's not interested in the trivialities of my life. Um, and I'm prone to think the same way. I remember um, about 10 years ago, I bought my first new car and that was a huge step for me. Uh, and I was in a situation where I was able to do it and so on, but I had no idea what I was doing. I was really quite worried about it. I got a friend of mine, um, a Greek guy who's a good haggler and seemed to know all these things. I got him to come with me and we went and, you know, um, sorted it all out. And by the end of the afternoon, I signed the papers and I'd bought a car. And then at the, en- at the end of the day, my friend turned to me and he said, wasn't it great that God answered our prayers today? And I said to him, you know, George, I didn't even pray about it. And I, th- I thought to myself, I, I've been, you know, he was I, a pastor of a church. I'd got one of my congregation to come with me. I was really stressed about it, something that had occupied a lot of my emotional energy, but I hadn't even thought to bring it to God. And thankfully, my mate had, uh, and it was a real rebuke to me. Um, oh, I've got, I think I've got something in my bag. Let me see if I've got something in here. Oh, here it is. Um, some of you will recognise this. Anyone seen this before? My, my parents have seen it. This is, um, this is snowy. Um, and this is sort of a, like a replacement snowy. Right? Um, this is my, um, my son Daniel's soft toy. Now, don't tell Daniel about this. He's sort of moved on since this time. Uh, so, he might be a bit embarrassed. But um, when he was a toddler... This used to be his constant companion. And so he'd just he'd suck his thumb and have snowy uh, right there. And um, was sort of like very attached. And you know, I'm sure you're, if you've got kids you, or you, when you were a kid, you might have had something you're attached to like this. Um, we were one day on a holiday in Dubbo and we were just walking through the streets of Dubbo. And Dubbo's got a very long shopping centre. And Snowy got lost somewhere on the streets of Dubbo. Now... Daniel was quite frantic, you know, quite distressed about this. And so we, as his concerned parents, spent, you know, about an hour just searching, the, you know, the streets of Dubbo and the shops we'd gone in to try to find Snowy. Now, when you think about it, how ridiculous. Like, it's a, it, it, it cost you about a dollar, and that's, that's a massive markup on what it's actually worth, probably. Um, but it's the sort of thing that you might get at a church fete and someone's sort of uh, uh, knitted and so on. And yet, to Daniel, it was very special. And as a result, it was very special to us. And we were, because it concerned him, it concerned us as his parents. So what we did, we couldn't find Snowy in Dubbo. Um, if, if anyone discovers one, please uh, let us know. Um, but so what we did is we went home and we rang up the mother's union because he'd been given it when he was born. And they told us Maroubra Anglican Church, so we rang up Maroubra Anglican and we commissioned the knitting of another snowy. <coughs> now, now you sort of say, that's a lot of effort to... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's another story to this whole saga. And I reckon what I'll probably find is photos of Snowy travelling the world, you know. <laughs> Snowy at the Great Pyramids and so on. Um, anyway, but 
Don't lose the point, right? The point is, Snowy is just this cheap little knitted toy that costs less than a dollar, but because he was special to Daniel, he was special to us as well. Now, God is our father, and he's a much better father, much more concerned father than I am. He is concerned about the things that we are worried about. He tells us, bring them to me, God says. He loves us and he loves us to express our dependence on him in our prayers. Now, he's not a vending machine. He's not just there to give us whatever we ask, but he's our dad. And so, if you're worried about it, bring it to him. Now, I reckon that's fantastic, isn't it? It's liberating to know that God invites us to bring that sort of stuff to him in prayer. Now, he does want us to grow up and mature. So, Daniel, my son Daniel's now, he's heading into year seven. Uh, A few days' time, he'll go off to high school and he'll leave Snowy behind. Uh, He sort of moved on from Snowy quite a few years ago and that's great. Uh, God wants us to grow up like that. He wants us to take on his priorities more and more and yet, right now, if it's something that concerns and worries you, then it's something that is appropriate to bring before God in prayer. And, And God is glorified as we express our dependence on him and as we give him thanks. So, we ought to pray about whatever concerns us, but we ought to keep in mind God's prerogative. That is, sometimes God doesn't give us what we ask for. Uh, it's just like sometimes as a dad, you know, my kids ask for things, but in my judgment, it's not in their best interest. Right? You see it during holiday time a lot. Um, if I'm working in my study and Ruth's out doing something, they'll be constantly in, you know, can I have a lolly, can I have a chocolate biscuit, can I... And if I gave them everything they asked for during the holiday period, they, they would be unhealthy, they would be overweight, they would be... Well, I don't know, what else would they be? Hyperactive, there you go. And I would be completely broke. Um, when we ask God for things... We need to recognise that in his wisdom he may say no. Uh, he knows better than us and we need to trust him. So, last night um, I was praying with my son and he was concerned because he's been having nightmares during the hot weather uh, and so we prayed to God that God would protect him and that God would take away the nightmares. And lo- beautiful, that he came in this morning, he was so excited because he didn't have a nightmare during the night. Now, isn't that a lovely answer to prayer? There was another time a couple of years ago where my son, the same son, Micah, asked for an elephant in prayer. Now, I'm very grateful that God um, didn't answer that prayer with a no. Um, It could have been God's sense of humour on me, couldn't it? Just showing his power in prayer. Um, But, you know, I don't think it would have been great for our household uh, to have an elephant Now, there are instances in the Bible where godly men bring their request to God and God says no. And the ultimate is Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus prayed, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Jesus was horrified as he faced the prospect of his death and he prayed, Father, take this cup from me if you are willing. And he knew that 
this was something that he would have to follow through on and God answered that prayer with a no. Uh, and so Jesus went to the cross and he died for the sins of the world and then God raised him up from the grave. See, when our kids ask us for something, we expect them to, to trust us, to accept our answer, to trust us that we are acting in their best interests and it's the same with God. And so there's a sense to which when we ask God for something, we ought to have the attitude, if you're willing. I don't think we have to add that to every sentence we pray in prayer, but I think that always needs to be our, our attitude. Um, if you're willing, God, can, I, can you give me such and such? Um, now, there are some things that we pray for that we are confident, absolutely confident, that God will give them to us. Um, and we can pray for them knowing that God will not only hear us, but that he will give them to us. And I'm talking about God's promises. So we pray for all the things that concern us, but keeping in mind God's promises. So let me run through a few promises that are listed on your outline there. Oh, snowy. You can go back to your chair there. Um, so have a look. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. A promise from God. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a prayer that God will answer every time. You call on the name of Jesus for salvation and that prayer will be granted. You will be saved. Here's another promise. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How liberating is that? We actually take our sin, which is a serious matter in God's sight, <clears throat> but we know that he will forgive us our sins as we confess them to him through the work of the Lord Jesus. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. See, God promises wisdom to those who ask him for it. So we ought to pray for it and we ought to pray not doubting God's promise or God's ability to follow through and give it to us. God always keeps his word. But I just want to give you a word of warning in this regard um, and that is um, just because God answers a prayer in the Bible doesn't mean that God will always answer that prayer every time it's prayed by one of his people. So, uh, Elijah, have a look at uh, Elijah in 1 Kings 17 verse 21. Um, There was a widow's son who had died. Elijah prayed to God, O Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the boy came back to life. Now, that was a terrific, powerful, mighty answer to Elijah's prayer. But that does not mean God promises that he will always do the same thing every time we ask him for that prayer. Now, this is a problem that I have with... um, a thing called the prayer of Jabez. Right? It's a great prayer. It's great that it's part of the Bible. But um, a few years ago, there was a bit of a... Um, uh, can we have a look at the picture there? Where is it? Have we got a picture? Um, 
I don't know if you saw this um, book, but it was out a few years ago, and it's one of those things that um, every now and then a, a Christian book comes out, it becomes a bestseller, it gets a whole lot of people swept up in it, um, but often it's based on a, a bit of a hollow promise. Uh, and, and I think that's what was going on with this book. So um, uh, it was a New York Times bestseller, right? It hit number one, nine million copies sold. And it was based on a particular verse in 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10. I've got it printed there. Jabez cried out to, God, to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, that's a lovely account of God answering prayer. And Bruce Wilkinson, the author, calls this verse the key to an extraordinary life of favour with God. The key to an an extraordinary life of favour with God. He believes that we ought to apply the prayer for God to enlarge the different territories of our lives. So he gives an example. If Jabez had worked on Wall Street, he might have prayed, Lord, increase the value of my investment portfolios. And there's a whole lot of sort of different applications of how you can use the prayer of Jabez in the different aspects of your life. Um, and Wilkinson says, thir- for 30 years he has prayed this prayer uh, every day and he calls on Christians to take the 30-day test. And that is pray it for 30 days and see God answer this prayer. And I know that some of us have tried it out and read the book and so on. The logic runs something like this. Jabez prayed to God and he got it, so we should pray to God expecting that we will get it as well. Now, I want to say, I think we've got a lot to learn from Jabez and I don't think the book is all bad. Um, I think we ought to call on God and recognise that he has the power to do whatever he wants. But just because God answered Jabez's prayer with a yes doesn't guarantee that he will give me whatever I ask. And I think that's my concern with it. It's almost selling itself as a guaranteed formula for success in prayer. Whereas what we keep seeing as we look at the prayers of the Bible is that prayer is an expression of relationship. It is not a technique or some sort of um, key to locking into the power of God. It is an expression of relationship with the God who rules the universe. So here's our question. What do we pray for? And so we've said we should pray for whatever concerns us. We've got to keep in mind God's prerogative. Right? It's up to him whether he answers prayer or not. But also keep in mind God's promises because when God gives us a promise, we can pray confident that he will give us what we ask for. But there is more to say. God wants us not only to pray for our concerns, he wants us to pray about his concerns as well. And you see that in the Lord's Prayer. So remember we did the Lord's Prayer last week. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? May you be uh, shown to be holy. May you be glorified is basically what we're praying there. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, those three parts of the Lord's Prayer are all about a focus on God and his purposes. 
And it's sort of like as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are aligning ourselves with God and his purposes. And you see it beautifully in Paul's prayers. I reckon a great exercise is to go through Paul's letters, you know, from Romans right through to, what's the last of Paul's? Titus, is it? Up, up somewhere around there, Philemon, something like that. Um, anyway, read through Paul's letters and, and focus in on his prayers and I just think you learn so much about prayer by picking up on the way Paul prays and what he prays for. And you keep seeing Paul praying that God will be glorified and that God's kingdom would advance. And there's so much the pulse of Paul's prayers. See, whilst God wants us to bring all our concerns to him, he also wants us to grow and mature and to take on his concerns as our own. Uh, That's what he wants his children as we grow up. We actually take on his values and his concerns and his priorities. See, part of growing as a Christian, there's a quote there that I put in your outline, part of growing as a Christian is having our focus shift away from ourselves onto God. And that's what God wants to see uh, happen over time. God also wants us to pray about the needs of others. And again, you see it if you read through Paul's prayers, so many of his prayers are caught up with his concern about other people. Have a look at this prayer from Colossians chapter 1 um, that Haley read out for us earlier. Paul has never met the Colossian Christians. So he doesn't know intimately the details of their lives. He doesn't know the people in that church uh, particularly. But look at what he prays. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Sorry, that last little clause is not um, meant to be there, part of growing as a Christian. Sorry, just ignore that bit. But um, So there's Paul's prayer um, <clears throat> and that's the sort of prayer that you could pray for anyone that you know who's a Christian. Right? So you think about missionaries overseas and you think, oh, I don't even know what our missionaries in Russia are up to at the moment. You can still pray quite meaningfully for them you just pick up on those sort of ideas, praying that they'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will. You can actually pray very specific, significant prayer for people without knowing all the specific details of their life at the moment. And this is the sort of prayer that you ought to pray for people in your Bible study group. You know, People in your small group, just keep praying that they'll keep growing in the knowledge of God's will day by day. <clears throat> and uh, so there's the second part to my... Quote, we've said part of growing as a Christian is having our focus shift away from ourselves onto God and part of growing as a Christian is having our focus shift away from ourselves onto others. Um, And uh, God wants to see that reflected in the way we pray. So what should we pray for? Our anxieties, pray for the purposes of God, pray for the needs of others. But there are going to be some times when you just don't know what you ought to pray. 
There are some situations where words fail us. And I know I've talked to some of you and you've been in those situations where you just feel uh, gutted. Uh, it, might be just because, it might be that you've got someone you love is going through some sort of terminal illness uh, and might be hooked up to a life support system or just, just terribly riddled with cancer. And you think, well, should I pray for healing or should I pray that they die and go to be with the Father? And you sort of can feel torn and you think, I don't know what is a godly prayer in these circumstances. Uh, and sometimes just with the grief and confusion, you just fail to have the words to express what you want to say. You don't even know what you want to say. Now, I want you to listen to these words from Romans 8 because it is a passage all about suffering. It's all about groaning and longing for the new creation. And look at what he says in verse 26. Romans 8, it starts at verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. See, prayer is usually a struggle. Um, It is not an easy, natural thing to do most of the time. And sometimes it is even harder. Sometimes words just fail us. Sometimes you might feel weak and you just don't feel like you know what is the best outcome in this situation. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. Sometimes you might even pray for the wrong things and you look back and you think, oh, that was a stupid thing to pray. But at this very point, as we pray, God's Spirit helps us. What a great encouragement. He takes our um, ignorant prayers he, he takes our stumbling, weak prayers. He even takes what are sometimes mistaken prayers, misguided prayers, and he intercedes on our behalf and he utters up perfect prayers on our behalf to God our Father. What a great comfort that is. And it's liberating. It liberates us in prayer knowing that It's not just me engaged in this activity. The Holy Spirit is engaged on my behalf as I pray as well. And look at the verse that directly follows, Romans 8.28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In spite of our weakness and our limited perspective, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and God is working in the situation for our good. So we can trust, we can trust him. Praise God indeed. As we finish up, I want to uh, ask you a few questions for you to consider just personally. Um, firstly, do I cast my cares on God? Right? Um, is that something that you are in the habit of doing or, a, or do you keep taking those things on yourself and trying to deal with it and only come to God as a last measure of desperation. 
He wants you to cast your cares on him. So, have a think about what am I worried about at the moment and bring those things to God, right? Start this morning. Come, show me the next couple of um, comments. Do I pray for God's purposes and do I pray for the needs of others, right? And th- this is all about moving away from just a focus on myself, focus on God, focus on others around about me. Why don't you take some time of personal prayer and reflection before I lead us in prayer together. Father, you are so good to us and we are so privileged uh, to call on you as our Father. We want to say sorry for just our stubbornness, for our independence. Uh, We know that we can so often be rebellious children uh, who are slow to humble ourselves before you. Father, as we look to the year ahead, we do pray that this year will be marked by an increased dependence on you. As our Heavenly Father, we pray that we will cast all our cares on you. Please help us to avoid those those bad habits, uh, those habits that we're quick to turn to when we get worried, uh, like anger or whatever it is. Father, we pray that instead we will lay it all before you, uh, trust you and we pray that you'll help us work through those things day by day. Uh, Father, we pray that you'll keep transforming us so that uh, our prayers are not just about ourselves but that we are concerned about you and your glory and your purposes and your priorities. We pray that we'll be concerned that your kingdom continues to grow as people come to know Jesus. We pray that we're concerned that uh, your will will be done in our lives uh, and in the lives of one another as brothers and sisters. Pray that uh, we will be a light uh, for your honour. Father, we pray that we'll be concerned about one another. We pray that uh, in our Bible study groups there will be genuine care and love shown towards one another and that that will be expressed not only in the groups but as we pray for one another throughout the week. Uh, Please just help us to be quick to turn to you in prayer on behalf of our brothers and sisters. Father, we want to thank you for the great comfort that it is to know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us because we know that we are weak and we know that sometimes we get it wrong, sometimes we don't know what to pray. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to intercede on our behalf and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.